baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. <laughs> Started off with a cough. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's all right. Seven degrees, Jordana. Snow on the way. I want to revisit something that I said two weeks ago. Let's give it a listen. We're in a winter purgatory, and it sucks. Give me cold weather and snow right now because this weather is awful. I'm sorry. We're in the this whatever El Nino, whatever the heck it is. I am sick of this because we're in a no man's land of winter. If we're not going to have snow, then at least give us 60 degrees, okay? I'll move somewhere else where it's warm in winter. Up here in the north, the great north, the bold north, so to speak, we got to have snow and cold. I'm sorry. I asked, and an old man winter answered, you're welcome, Minnesota. You are welcome. So you're getting it. So the question becomes, I think you are now, you asked for the snow, you're getting it. You are now obligated with your snowblower to snowblow other people's driveway that don't have as nice a snowblower or one at all as you. So you are on the hook, my friend. Everyone has to do it who has a big snowblower. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, uh, first of all, the, the snow we're going to get, I don't think, thankfully, in this part, won't require the use of the snowblower. But if you want to use it, you can use it. I, don't th- I, I think if you have a snowblower, depending on the age of your neighbors... Then you are ob- obligated. Uh, no, you're not obligated to do that. It's nice of you to do it if you have older neighbors. But if you've got young neighbors, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They can shovel. I don't have to. I don't have to snowblow their driveway. No, I think if you have a really nice snowblower, you have to snowblow other people's uh, other people's. Uh, certainly, the sidewalks. As many sidewalks as you can do, because the sidewalks are always such a pain. Um, but I think if you have a nice one, we know you guys love your snowblowers, like your big, you know, lawnmowers, like we were talking about yesterday, why men love to do this, because it is, you know, it shows that you've you've done something, You, it's a very satisfying thing, uh-huh. and I do, I think if you've got one of those big fancy ones, even one of those electric ones that can, um, you know, has a, a good size battery, yes, get to your neighbor's driveway and do it. And if I don't see you do, if you have a giant snowblower and you do your driveway and you walk back in your home, you should get fined. Fined? <laughs> well, I'll say this. Last year when we had like a crazy amount of snow, we should have looked after our neighbors. But I'm always, again, like when I when I didn't have a snowblower, I had a, like, there was a guy who had a snowblower, and he would maybe this is why I'm bitter about this. He would snowblow the sidewalk all the way down, but he would stop at the edge of my property. And I don't it's like, like that. What? I don't like that. I yeah, didn't I either. Like so, but but then, mm-hmm. but he looked. But at the same time, I was in my 30s at the time. It's like I'm an able-bodied young man, and I can uh, shovel my own sidewalk. 
You can, but also you have this snowblower. You're already doing the sidewalk. Just keep going. Keep going. As, you know, yeah. until you get tired, until you reach the end of the block. I mean, really, it's a sidewalk. You really only have to do it right one path. So, like, it's wide enough to do one push down the end and I guess one push back. I mean, right? Uh, yeah, you were kind of going robotic there. Let's figure that out. Donna is in Clara City. Uh, she's called in on the WCCO talk line. Donna, what do you think? Are, am I, if, as, as somebody with a snowblower, are you obligated to do your neighbor's uh, sidewalk and, and or driveway? Um, we do our neighbor, our elderly neighbors. Yeah. See? I mean, yep. I'm, in the, I'm on the same page as you are. Thank God. Bring it on because I'm sick of November or March because it's not December or January. And so when this five inches of snow fell, my whole mood altered. Yeah. And it's it's happy. And but it's like, yeah, oh. no, we we do our own and then we do our elderly neighbors, um, who we just do it. We just go over and we do our neighbor Janice before we do ours because otherwise she's out scooping. She's eighty seven. Yes. Good for you. So we just we just we just automatically do it. And same thing, too, with her neighbor, who is 80, I think she's 83. We all Thank take you, turns. Donna. We just do it. We make sure they're open. Yeah. It's not a big deal. But younger neighbors so, who are able-bodied, what do you say to those folks, though? Get off your butt and get your shovel. Thank you. I love okay, it. but if you're out there with the, Donna, you're a good person, and thank you. We need more Donnas in the world, and whoever's helping snow blow with Donna. But if you're out there... Just go to the next, go to the next one. You, you have no idea how it, I was a single mom for a long time living yep. in Indian Prairie with, you know, three kids. If somebody came, I did not have a snowblower and I went out there and shoveled. If somebody would come and have you know, snowblowed my driveway, I would have been so unbelievably grateful because life doesn't stop. You wake up with three kids, you still got to get them to preschool or kindergarten or whatever. You, life doesn't stop. Had somebody come over and done my driveway, I would have been so, it would have made my month. Yeah. So if you have that capability, if you've got a snowblower and maybe some free time to do it, go to the neighbors, do the next one, do the I just, it's such a beautiful gift. So I know I sound crazy, and of course you don't have to, and no, they shouldn't really be fine. Don't be ridiculous. I'm just being incendiary. But um, do it, right? We live in a society. Yeah. Help out. Do I agree something. with it. It's a snowblower. Single it's mom, single mom, or a woman living alone, I would agree, too. Like when I lived in a townhouse briefly, my neighbor Diane, I would uh, shovel her uh, driveway, too, and she was so very nice. And oh, just, so nice. I mean, you know, and, and also, by the way, too, if somebody's doing that for you consistently, give them a little something, you know? little case of beer here and there. There you go. Walk over with a, gl- a bottle of right. wine. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Or bake some cookies. Thank you for doing um, the, the, the snow blowing. Absolutely. Yeah. I just think this is an opportunity, certainly in Minnesota, to be the good neighbor. So um, if I had a snowblower and I liked doing it, I would go do the neighbor's driveway also. There's, their drive is much smaller than mine, by the way. Are you obligated, if you've got that snowblower, to help out your neighbors? 651-461-9226. More calls. We'll get to our text line, too, with Adam and Jordana on a winter Friday morning. Now, granted, the snow, uh, I'm happy with two to four inches. <laughs> I was about to say something really bad there. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pull the punch on that one. <laughs> 
Well, I think everybody is okay with the amount of snow or cold that allows them to do their activity that they want to do. And your activity is you want the cold so that you can get out on the lake with your Correct. castle. So even if we didn't get snow, yeah. give me the cold, especially the cold nights where we can harden up those lakes. Uh, but what I'm saying now, southeastern Minnesota, they're probably going to get snow, blowable snow. Not here. So I think it's still shut, unless you really want to get that snowblower out. Go for it. But I think this will be shovelable. But what I'm saying is, and what the conversation that Jordana and I are having is, if you have a snowblower, are you obligated to snowblow your your neighbor's driveways? Uh, Jordana says, absolutely, you're obligated. And I say, yeah, is it nice to do? Yes, but you're not obligated to do it. That being said, if you've got an elderly neighbor, or as Jordana pointed out, if you've got a single uh, woman or a single mother who's got a that is a that is borderline obligation. I think you you're kind of a jerk if you let them toil with uh, without uh, without a snowblower. Paul is in Brooklyn Park. I think Paul wants to address uh, what I'm saying here. Paul, go jump in here. Hi, I just have a question. Um, you said if they are elderly, what's your definition of elderly? That's a good point because I think uh, some you. I think Paul. I know what you're going to say here. You're kind of offended if like uh, I don't need your help. Mm-hmm. I think you just judge based on who. Uh, the, I say that generally. Let's say you've got an older couple and maybe they don't really are yeah. able to take care of their lawn or take care of their driveway. That's what I think. Or just being a nice guy, though. I don't. I understood that. Yep. Well, I'm going out to give out blankets today to the homeless. Uh, we're going to bring a heater to somebody oh, over north. God bless you. So you do it from your heart. Yep. No matter what, how old they are, if your heart says do it, do it. Great Beautiful. comment, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Thank Honestly, you and, and, and in, all, in all seriousness, mm-hmm. uh, this really this is dangerous cold, and we've got, mm-hmm. sadly, as we know, um, many people who are homeless. And God bless the, those shelters that uh, help people that will open their mm-hmm. doors. And God bless people like Paul who are uh, thinking of others at this time because that is it's not a joke. That is absolutely serious. And we check on your neighbors, check on your loved ones when it gets this cold. I think, yeah. I think Paul nailed it when he said that you do it out of your heart. You, you, it comes from kindness, which to me, Jordana, is the opposite of coming from obligation, which is the word you use. So, no, I don't think you're obligated to help out your neighbor or to snowblow your neighbor's driveway. Now, if you are a kind person <laughs> with a good heart and you see your neighbor struggling to clear their driveway, I, I think you will, out of the goodness of your heart, go over there and do that. But it's not like an obligation thing where you need to put yourself out or, or neglect your own responsibilities to go over there and do that. David. Come on. People need a push. People are not, kindness is not the default, as you can see in the world today. Not one that we live in that has always been. It's not our default. So maybe this is a conversation that spurs people into thinking, oh, I'll go help my neighbor because that is not our default. There are many good people, like our caller. Was was his name Paul? Yes, and I... Kind, you don't think kindness is a default? I think absolute absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Not. We've had this conversation. Are people born good or bad? No, people are bad. 
No, no, no. Oh, I if think they were it... born good, there would be no wars. There would be no murder. It's absolutely not. Kindness is not our default. So this is a reminder. If you have a nice snowblower, go help out an On a micro level, I think kindness is a default when it comes to people that we actually uh, know and in our neighborhood, as opposed to, like, generally speaking about countries and wars and... I agree with you there, but I think kindness absolutely is a, is, a, is is a default when it comes to people and our neighbors and our friends that we're amongst. I think that's why face to face community is so vital yes. because when you are face to face with somebody, whether guy you agree you fight with, with them, them or not, Facebook. yes, if you're face to face in person, I agree that that human uh, humanity comes through and kindness comes through. I don't. Wow. We've had this debate. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to change my mind. I think even if people are born neutral, they unless they learn kindness and niceties and acceptance, that their default is always negative. It's always protection. It's always self-protection. It's, uh, it's not. So that's why I think this conversation is a good one because it's great that you have a great snowblower, um, you you don't have to share it or loan it out, mm-hmm. but thinking about kindness in this way, because I've watched plenty of people blow their own snowblower and not go to a neighbor. Yeah. So if you say kindness is a is a uh, you know blow their own driveway or whatever, if you say that that is um, the default, I have witnessed many many times where that is not the truth. So I guess I'm just going by my own personal experience. Adam Jordan is right. No one has to be taught to be bad. Mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. but boy. I mean, yeah. I mean, if we're not, I guess, left, left to that device, if we all lived in our own house and never you know, were t- was taught morality or brought up in a religious, then we would just have fun. And I'm not saying religion has to be the teacher. It, no. It can, there are good atheists. I'm not even yep. saying, but it is something that you have to teach. You do. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us have you know seen a homeless person on the side of the road or or stepped over a homeless person while you're you know while you're walking home at night from your dinner with your leftovers in your hand mm-hmm. um and stepped over them instead of offering them your leftovers or i mean it's just it, it, kindness is a learned behavior you have to be taught I, I, that's that's my belief you know that kindness is a learned behavior and you can get there lots of ways like this one, this is a reminder. If you have a snowblower, go blow your neighbor's yeah. driveway because I don't think it's our default. So, and of course, I'm being silly when I say if you have one, you're required. I mean, of course, this is just that silliness. But underneath it, it is these days are going to be hard for some people in your community. And it, it's just a reminder to, uh, and a reminder to myself. You know, be kind, help somebody crossing the street or slow your car down if somebody is crossing or walking their dog because uh, some of these days with the cold and the snow couldn't get a little challenging. Uh, text here, you are not obligated, but if you don't do it, you can count on some Minnesota passive aggressive bleep start coming down go. the pike. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to blow anybody's drive up if you don't want. That's very nice of you, but they can get their own snowblower. The problem, another text. They can, yeah. sure. The problem is, yeah, they're expensive, though. There's the problem. You can do mm-hmm. 10 houses, and the one you stop at, like Adam, you're the villain. Oh, That's such a good know, point, too. I mean, well. That is a good point. That is a good point. Thank if, you. Or yes. if you run because, out of gas or something. But remember, because that 10th house, 
kindness is not their default. They don't say like, oh my gosh, they probably did something. They don't assume best intent, which is a learned behavior. They're like, ah, why didn't they do me? Because Mm -hmm. that's a selfish behavior. That's who we are as humans. And again, this needs to be taught. So I'm, I'm actually really glad we're having this conversation. Rick is in New Hope on the WCCO talk line. Rick, go ahead. Uh, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Well. Good. Uh, my only comment was uh, about Jordana making a comment about when you walk by a homeless person. Um, mm-hmm. I've walked by and driven by many homeless people, and you, you stop and you help them, whether it's giving them your leftovers or some cash. Mm-hmm. And in this one particular area in Crystal, there's the same people panhandling every day. And by yeah. mid-afternoon, they run over to the liquor barrel, and they're sitting at the yeah. bus stop drinking. Yeah. So that kind of puts a... You know, it puts a, you know, kind of bothers you when you help people out and then you see this. Totally. Not, I'm not speaking that everyone's that way, but it, it makes it hard for a person to help somebody like that. Totally understand. Thank you for pointing that out. Absolutely. And because and those people happen. are shysters, yep. they're looking for money for their alcoholism because goodness and kindness is not a default. They're looking to scam you out of your dollars so they can go buy money or they can go buy, excuse me, uh, liquor. Uh, totally agree. Totally. And someone even said here, I do all my neighbor's snow piles. We live on a major road with large plows. No one has ever said thank you. Not looking for a thank you. Okay, that's okay that you're not looking for a thank you and you did a good thing because, unfortunately for them, kindness is not their default. They do not appreciate your kindness. But don't do it for them. Do it for you. It's good for your neshama. It's good for your soul. And thank you for doing that. You are a good person. You're pretty cranky today. You need a vacation. I'm just honest. Just honest. Just honest. Well, it's your honesty. It's not everybody's honesty. Yeah. 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 Well, honest about what I've seen in the world. Uh, you know what? I am going on vacation next. Um, I'm going on vacation next week. I'm going on a girls trip next week, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit later because uh, do we still need girls and boys trips? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do. And I'm really excited about mine. But speaking of this, uh, we can talk about this maybe also in our next segment. Um you know, learning goodness and kindness. Many people rely on church or synagogue or mosque, you know, to to teach more moral lessons. And that is okay. Uh, but there's a fascinating uh, piece in Axios about how pastors are boosting campaigns of political figures. And it's my understanding that it's illegal, right, Adam? Isn't it illegal for your pastor to tell you how to vote? I mean, your, I don't know. I don't think it would be illegal. I mean, that, that to me, that would violate First Amendment rights. But I, but I don't know. Maybe it, or maybe I'm not. Is, is it ethically wrong with that? Mm-hmm. I don't know about illeg- mm-hmm. illegality. Uh, hmm. I believe it I, is. Is it, is be, it illegal? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I believe there's so. some regulation around. Okay. If you're a religious institutions oh, that's tax-free, tax-exempt, tax ah, you cannot right. be there pushing right. political agendas. Right. Okay. At least from the pulpit. You know, not talking about Twitter or anything like that. Yeah, but at least because when you're preaching, you can't do it. There's plenty of uh, people, uh, there's plenty of pastors that are getting involved in politics, including in Iowa. There's a big article today about all these pastors who are uh, getting behind Donald Trump. And it makes me think, uh, do we want politics from the pulpit? I sure as hell don't. What about you? We'll talk about that next.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I don't want my pastor to tell me how to vote. I don't go to church to uh, be be involved in an election. I don't I don't go to, for a campaign. And I guess I bring that up because I see this article about, you know, the Iowa caucuses Monday, and we have all these pastors um, supporting Donald Trump coming out, these evangelicals, and it gives me serious pause here. And I'm wondering, in, 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 in this, do it like, okay, I'll admit, I'm not a frequent goer to church. But in this day and age, do we have a lot of people going to church and getting, I guess, getting a dose of politics when they show up on Sunday? I think that is happening. I think pastors have power, and I'm not just speaking about pastors, I'm talking about rabbis, I'm talking Mm -hmm. about imams, I'm talking about anyone who holds a position of power in a religious organization. I do feel that they have a lot of power. And according to the Axios article, many are using it. And we talked about whether or not it was illegal or legal, you know, to preach from the pulpit. And I don't think it's legal, like you said, because of the nonprofit status to say, like, to get up in front of your church or congregation and say, vote for this person. Right. I don't think. But if they're on Twitter or they're having conversations, you know how involved good clergy are with their their flock, with their congregation. Um, you're having these conversations and maybe even when you're learning Bible study with them alone, I'm sure this happens, or at least, you know, the, the, the leader of the congregation would make their preference known about who they're voting for and why that is beneficial for their congregation. Some pastors are abusing it, I think, on places like Twitter. Yep. And no, they shouldn't be doing it yet. Adam, mm-hmm. many of us look to our religious leaders for guidance sure, on many of things. Course. You know, why is this happening in the world? What is Christianity or or Islam or Judaism? Think about this and how should we be reacting to this conflict or that conflict or what's going on in the world? So I think they are looked at for guidance. So I, it puts pastors or excuse me, religious leaders, and this is not just about pastors, um, in a tight spot. And But I agree with you. I do not want my rabbi telling me who to vote for. I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it on Twitter. I would rather they not be politically active unless I per, unless I personally ask them. Yeah. Because often, you know, you'll go to advice for a member of clergy and say, like, gosh, this is a confusing thing that's happening in the world. You know, what is what would the Torah say about this, or what would the Talmud say about this, or what does the Bible say about this? And um, often they'll have a good response yeah. on how to make you feel better. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe um, that's the distinction. Think, Maybe that's the distinction you point out is that politically active. I, I, because you're right. I mean, with the church and politics, let's be honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, religious and morality, mm-hmm. there's a lot of those themes in how you view uh, policy and how you view politics. I get that. 
I think there's a difference, though, if you're actively, even in their private time, you're right. They have absolutely a First Amendment right to do that. But if they're actively uh, getting involved with politics, that is a big turnoff for me. And Mm -hmm. and I I hope I'm equal in saying it doesn't matter if they were active uh, for this party or that party. I -hmm. think there has to be a separation there. What do you think? Do you want your pastor or your, your preacher or your religious leader, spiritual leader, guru, yoga teacher? No, I'm talking specifically about organized religion, and that's what this piece in Axios is about. Do you want a religious leader to tell you who to vote for? I reached out this morning to my friend, Pastor Paul Marzan. He is, of course, the pastor and the leader of Crossroads Church in Lakeville, And I said, hey, we're having this discussion. Do you want to chime in on this? And thankfully, he did. So he's joining us now on the phone. Uh, Pastor, uh, what do you think about all this? And well, I'll ask you straight up. Did you tell people who to vote for or do you when you're on the pulpit? (laughs) <laughs> well, good morning, Jordan. And, and, uh, Hi, Paul. No, I don't, uh, tell, I don't tell people who to vote for. Um, as I tell my wife, I said, I, I, I don't get political, but I do love a good party. How's that? And uh, oh, fair the problem enough. Is today, <laughs> but the uh, problem is today, there's not a good party, is there? It's hard to uh, find either party with um, some absolute um, ethical stances that I think a church or synagogue or mosque would agree with. So that's what makes it so difficult to choose a candidate or to give advice on candidates. I think what I focus on is ethics and morality. And um, as you mentioned from scripture, try to lift up um, ideals that then people can decide for themselves. Paul, let me ask you this, because obviously, uh, you know, just because you're a man of the cloth or if you're a rabbi or a pastor or a priest, it doesn't mean you can't vote and can't have feelings for one way or the other on how you feel about a particular candidate. Uh, is, is it taught? Is is that ingrained in your education and theology that you separate that? You somehow try to prevent that from entering in to your uh, what you preach every Sunday. Well, I think um, at least in Scripture, there's a section that's called the Great Commission. It's uh, in Matthew 28, and it says, "As we are going to make disciples." So, basically, Jesus was saying, if you're a pastor, if you're a rabbi, um, as you're going. Um, you're going to be talking about things that matter. And so I think it's one thing to influence, as you mentioned, in a small group. I was in a a restaurant yesterday with this very same conversation. I happened to be in Naples, Florida, sorry. And uh, (laughs) and, um, there were, you know, they were two people talking on two sides of the party, and they, of course, they turned to me and said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, it sounds like a great conversation. (laughs) But uh, Uh uh, it's it's one of those things where you, you just try to ask clarifying questions. You know, why do you feel that way? Huh? Why do you think that um, person voted that way? And I think, as you mentioned from the article from Axios, I think there's a lot of pastors that look at um, policies and less about personalities because the, the personalities on both sides are pretty uh, difficult to sometimes vote for. I get that, but th- that makes me uncomfortable that we have pastors actually appearing at like campaign events or being on the stump mm-hmm. in, in a state. I, that th- To me, that makes me feel uncomfortable, and that at least in the church that I was brought in, brought up in, and what I believe, I, I couldn't imagine that happening. Well, how do you feel about that? I think I agree with you. I don't think as pastors we're called to um, promote um, different candidates. I think we're called to promote God's um, wisdom, and I think that really is what helps us make those decisions. And I, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is that discerning voice inside me that if I ask God and I, I'm praying, that God will lead me to who I should vote for. Um, some of those, I think, that do um, do this kind of, I call 
um, stumping, or whatever term you want to use, mm-hmm. um, is they're doing it because I think they feel in their heart that the the world is going a certain way, whether it be liberal or uh, conservative, mm-hmm. and they they want to make sure that the right candidate helps the world go the right direction. They're well intentioned, but I don't think it actually helps. Do do people listen, by the way? And do you know pastors that have a big pulpit that do this? And then, you know, does their congregation buy in and say, whatever my pastor says, I'm going to do? Actually, unfortunately, it does happen a lot in um, both liberal and conservative churches where pastors have a huge influence. I mean, go back to Reverend, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, sure. He had a huge influence. Yep. He was a pastor. He did marches and yep. he preached from the pulpit and... Um, um, I've seen a lot of churches in the Twin Cities uh, when uh, candidates come in uh, from both parties. They have a pulpit almost always, whether it be a, a Biden or a Trump. Uh, they, at the last election, you know, they were invited when they came into town to speak at the convention center. Then they would speak at a church usually that Sunday. And so um, I think it happens on both sides, and they find the churches that are friendly to them yep. and are helping promote them. Pastor Paul, thank you so much for uh, Mm -hmm. chiming in on this conversation. We could have a five-hour conversation about this, but we appreciate your perspective. And enjoy Naples, by the way. Good good, good day to be in Florida. Can I tell you one funny story? Sure, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So um, this is way back when we had the church downtown Minneapolis, and Hillary Clinton was speaking at the teacher's convention at the convention center. He wanted to speak at our church. I said, we don't get involved in politics, but if you want to rent the building, we rent it to both parties. So they did, but the thing they did that was upsetting to me is they cut a hole in my ceiling for the sniper. <laughs> they never repaired it. Oh, and so I had somebody up on the roof uh, in the attic uh, looking at the congregation with a rifle, and um, they cut a hole uh, to do that, and then they never repaired it. And so that was my big beef about ever having a politician yeah. in your church. Uh, a good beef. <laughs> the Secret Service, yeah. Right. Send the bill the to the service. government. Yeah, if the government Send should the pay bill. their bills, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Have a great vacation. Say hi to Deb. Have a great vacation. YouTube blessings. Blessings. Um, he's yeah, right. I mean, he's right. He's right. Yeah. We we pick we pick the news stations we want to watch that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, like support our beliefs, and I guess mm-hmm. that we do that with churches too. Because again, we had this conversation earlier. It's like I my vision of God and of Christ and of Jesus mm-hmm. is an opening place that welcomes all that. Uh, doesn't turn their back uh, on other people. And, and I guess if you look at that, I does that align with one political party or not? I think, I guess we all make that decision. And well, we're it, getting texts from pastors that are saying they can't win. Uh, that's what this pastor says. Pastors can't win. Even when I preach, this is from the texter, uh, just the gospel with no mention of a presidential or political candidate. I get accused of being anti one or the other. Wow. They say she, this person says it's just the gospel. It has nothing to do with politics. I'm preaching Jesus. Um, but yet people were in this environment, Adam, where people hear what they want to hear. So you can be listening to gospel and thinking it's political. And boy, right. that is upside down. Six, five, one, four, six, one, nine, two, two, six. Before we get too late, let's take a break here. Uh, chime in. We're getting lots of text call in too. six, five, one, four, six, one, nine, two, two, six. Do you want to be you want your pastor or rabbi to tell you how to vote or preach politics? Uh, that's yeah. next. Linda's construction time check is uh, 9.53. Time to get 50% off installation labor on Infinity from Marvin Windows. Pastors lining up to support Donald Trump's candidacy. And yes, I, I'll, I'll be fully, I'll fully disclose that it bothers me that pastors would support hmm. Donald Trump. 
because I just feel the guy is the absolute opposite of what I believe Jesus is about. And in the yes, and it includes in a demeaning way he speaks, in a bullying way he is. Uh, that uh, that's why I bring it up. But I would hope I'd be consistent and say, I don't want pastors going out there standing next to Joe Biden saying, this is my candidate, because I don't think that's the role of a pastor. I mean, it's also their right. We have free speech. You know, pastors get to do whatever they want to do. So, of course, uh, I don't think Adam or I, I don't want to speak for you, my friend, but I would, would, you know, they they get to do that. But I'll tell you this. um, I learned with multiple different rabbis or rebbitsons, and when they start conversations like that, I don't want to hear it. I want to learn Torah. I don't because, um, I mean, sometimes I ask questions about how what the Torah would say about this or what about that, and we can have discussions like that. But I think you would be shocked at some religious leaders' political views. And honestly, I'd rather learn Torah. I'd rather learn how to be a good person in the world than what somebody else thinks about our policies. Mm-hmm. So it, it it does give me pause. And in the very beginning of all this political, these political issues, when we got super political, I would say, you know, 2016, um, I did ask a lot of questions. I wanted to know why faith leaders wanted to vote a certain way or the other. But now that I know, um, they're not going to change my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to change theirs. Good to know. Yep. And I now need to separate religion from politics. Rick is in East Bethel on the phone. Oh, Rick dropped. That's all right. Oh, no. Um, Call back in, Rick. Someone says, whatever happened to separation between church and state? Yes, that's the whole thing. Church leaders, because of their tax exemption, they're not supposed to preach politics. But it doesn't mean in their private life or on Twitter, right. you know, they can't yeah. be private citizens and share their opinions. Sure. But I also have a right to notice that. And even I would... I would hope I'd be willing enough to tell my pastor, look, I've seen your tweets or something, and that makes Mm -hmm. me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think you should be Mm -hmm. able to do that or Mm -hmm. find another church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and some people are saying they have moved churches uh, because of just that. And I I mean, like, religion and politics are probably intertwined on, like, a very innate level, you know, what you believe or how you interpret things and how that applies to living today. But... I like to live in my fantasy land of being able to separate and, uh, you know, taking relig- from religion, uh, and I take a lot from my religion, what I need, and keeping politics out of it. Hi, Jordana and Adam. I'm a Christian. I vote, voted for both parties. I find people in my congregation, sometimes the pastors, vote only Republican just because of the abortion issue. doesn't matter who oh, the candidate is, mm-hmm. but the Republican Party and their stance on abortion. I totally get that. And I have many friends yep. who grew up mm-hmm. in the Catholic Church, and that absolutely is the uh, seminal issue uh, for them. Uh, good discussion. I'm sure we'll have it uh, plenty of times uh, in the future, but we've got quick takes coming up after the news. David? Um, a city in Minneapolis is on a list of top 20 mid-sized cities in the country. We'll see which city that is. Also, it was a bad day for the Portland Trailblazers. We'll talk more about that, too. They play the Wolves tonight. That's right. Hope it's another bad night for them. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.